snuffy. Cold chill up your spine. It'll get your ass moving. Sun will burn daylight. Howdy there. I'm Matt McKinley, and we're burning daylight. Welcome to Burning Daylight, the only podcast for the working cowboy. Well, howdy there, Daylight Burners. Happy, what is it, Wednesday, Tuesday that I'm recording this, but uh, Wednesday it'll go on out. And I hope you're having a good week. We had a little bit of snow tonight. Got some snow in uh, in the future, but... Fortunately, uh, wasn't too much moisture in it, and uh, I hope I hope they got dumped on up top. But oh, I, I I'm had it up here with the snow. Um, no, it's uh, I will get through it. Spring will come around one of these days if we all make it that long. If we're not just all nuked into into glass. Um, or surviving a, a nuclear winter, which is, uh, I guess, from what I understand, would be worse than a, a regular winter. And, well, hopefully it don't come to that. But, boy, 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 boy. Um, we are getting, like, closer and closer and closer to to war um it, it's not not good not good so first first article i'll start off with uh this is from uh washington post uh putin biden and putin delivered dueling fiery speeches on ukraine and uh just just neat um how many of of y'all could identify ukraine on the map before you know a year ago i guess we're i guess this marked the the one year anniversary of uh just a a complete shit show over in in uh, ukraine and uh, if you listen to the media and and the powers that be they'll tell you it was an unprovoked invasion of ukraine and uh Putin's a madman, and he's uh, and he's uh, an authoritarian, an autocrat, um, and all of those are true, except the unprovoked part, which is, um, yeah, I, it's a lot of covering up of the shit. So, like, I know I've covered it plenty of times, but we'll. Uh, just refresh your memory. So in was it 91 that the Soviet Union collapsed? Um just another proof that that uh communism or like the true socialism or whatever the Marxist fucks call it, um that shit don't work. I've been uh I've been listening to The Jungle by Upton Sinclair uh as research for my series on on the history of the meat industry here the meat packing industry here in the u.s and uh i may 
I may touch on some some overseas stuff, you know, just just leading up to to how we got to where we are in the in the meatpacking world. But um and I remember this very distinctly, um, reading this in mm, I guess it would have been like freshman or sophomore year of high school that we had to read this and it might have maybe even been junior, I can't remember, but is hmm. It was one of the books that we had to read as a class, and then we, uh, like, we'd listen to it on tape, and and Mr. Summers, my my English teacher, was always big on on themes, and the ultimate theme of the book of of the jungle um, is the I think if I remember right, it's the very last line of the book, and it just says socialism will save America. And that's the the part that Upton Sinclair was trying to get across. And don't don't let that uh, you know scare you away from reading it because it, it's it's a good read. It's a it's a solid solid story in the writing, and um, it's really gruesome and and uh, shocking how how he portrays the the meatpacking industry there in in Chicago in the the late. 1800s uh early 1900s when um you know what the socialists will say is just like the 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 it's the gilded age you know the the time of unbridled capitalism no regulations whatsoever and and partially that was true but <clears throat> they they rarely mentioned the the collusion between government and big business. That's always kind of the, the source of uh, the issues with uh, most of the issues with capitalism. I wouldn't say all of them. Um, I, I wouldn't say that capitalism is a perfect system by any means either. It's uh, it, it's kind of ugly, um, but it's a hell of a lot better than, than communism. And, uh, and the further, you know, the more and more, socialist policies you implement the more and more you you lead to total centralization of your of your government and your economy and that's it, it communism may work on like a very small village level but it doesn't scale at all and anyways it's uh that that being said like Upton Sinclair was as an avowed socialist, and don't let that scare you away from reading the book because it it paints a very vivid picture of of what the what it was like to to work in those those uh, factories. And, and but anyways, is I was I was telling my wife like you, you look put yourself in that situation. You're like this uh, family they focuses on comes from Lithuania. Um, grew up on a parcel of like the king's land that would had been deeded down to them but it, they didn't own it they they were allowed to live on it and they they made their living and it was kind of a you know a subsistence living and then once you know you had a bunch of kids to to help pin the farm uh free labor and then once they got old enough and only only oldest the oldest was going to take the farm over so everybody else had to move away get married to the to the local to the neighbor's uh, daughter or or you went off into the city to find find your way in the world and <clears throat> apparently the 
Uh, the city living in Lithuania wasn't very good, so a lot of them made their way over to the U.S., where there was a big, a big demand for uh, skilled labors, but also even more so, like unskilled labor. But the supply, as you can see throughout the book, it and um anyway, like I, before I get too far in on the on the you know the jungle by Upton Sinclair but uh just looking at all that you're you come to America you don't speak English you have uh you know your life savings in uh in their, their case it was in rubles because apparent Lithuania was uh under the like the Russian Empire at the time and so you're you you've got your your life savings and it's all in rubles which are worth about two thirds of what a and you know one ruble is is worth about sixty five cents or something like that. Hmm. You know you got a hundred bucks or a hundred rubles. You got you know maybe maybe sixty five bucks maybe some somewhere in there. Um, and you're coming to the and then you you make your way to Chicago. It never really clears up how they they got there in it. I guess it was through people that they they knew or knew of and, and a lot of times it's just the people that they they knew of that had had went to the united states to to make their living and then you you know you're you're expecting like just you know the all all the great songs that were written about the united states you know the amber waves of grain and the american dream and whatever and you end up in the stockyards of chicago and which was, according to this book, and I have to research it, it was built on a dump, uh, like literally the town dump. And then they, the, the city got big enough where they, they expanded and they just sold this uh, parcel of land that the dump was on to the packing house, to, uh, packing houses and whatnot to, to make the stockyards, whatever. And squalid living conditions just just awful um backbreaking work and you're you're making you know i think they said like 17 cents a day or some some shit like that uh start at seven and you go until that you know the quit and whistle blows and then you're back there at seven o'clock in the morning and you don't get uh christmas off you don't uh you don't get a you know a one-day vacation to to celebrate your wedding it's uh Pretty miserable conditions, but it's, uh, well, like I said, before I go into that, but like put yourself in that situation and then like every, every chance you get to, to further yourself, it seems like somebody's taking advantage of you. Partially that's your fault because you don't understand the language. You don't understand the customs. Um, and then your your job at the packing plant just is grinding you into just a shell of what you once were and it's not real hard to see why socialism was a popular ideology and still is um when, when you're working a shitty job and it seems like you're not getting anywhere it's um a lot of people rather than taking to look at what they can do to to better their situation they all they see is just like i got this job i got this job and not getting anywhere and uh, my boss taking advantage of me which a lot of times they were um so 
had I been in that same situation in the late 1800s, I probably could have been a socialist myself. Not likely, but I, I could see, I could, I could put myself in that situation and, and be like, yeah, I, I can imagine going to all these union meetings <laughs> and um, being just a, you know, just a dirt poor immigrant uh, with nothing else. All you, all you have, only power you have is to band together with your fellow workers and be able to just quit working and keep, you know, scabs out, replacements to, <laughs> to do that. But anyway, that being said, I've also got about a little over a century uh, worth of histor historical uh, knowledge to browse through and, uh, and realize that mm, socialism in small doses can be all right, but it leads to bigger doses, which eventually lead to just full-on totalitarianism, and it uh, doesn't end well. So I'm not a fan. But that's me knowing what I know now in 2023 and uh, being a student of history that I am. <clears throat> I can see that that shit doesn't work. Anyway, one of those big events in history is the Soviet Union falls. With that, Soviet Union was mostly Russia, but had a lot of satellites. Uh, kind of, it's it's um similar fashion today, where it's the Russian Federation, where Russia controls all of it, but he's got these satellite states. So you got like Belarus and Kazakhstan and Azerbaijan and Turkmenistan and um uh, and you know back in the day you had the, like the Eastern European countries like Latvia, Estonia, Lithuania. Hungary, Poland, all part of the all part of the Soviet Union uh, under communism. Once, once the Soviet Union imploded, um, all those satellite states kind of were at a turning point, and they, you know, and they they uh, they kind of declared their own independence, and they they went their separate ways. Some of them uh, maintained close ties with Russia; others did not. Ukraine is a particularly um interesting situation because Ukraine has been disputed for centuries um Russia views it as as theirs uh actually they view like Kiev as the historical capital of Russia um uh, where the where the Rus people the Russian people um you know the the origin word is Rus R U S they they originated in the ukraine area and but it's always been like kind of the same kind of not i guess and it's it's something i've got to do a little more research on to, to fully understand it which um, i would suggest everybody doing because it seems like uh, we're we're kind of pretty intertwined with uh with ukraine right now just interwoven and um it's uh I don't I don't want to learn anything about Ukraine because it just it should not affect me. But here we are. Um, Joe Biden just the other day made a made a surprise visit, um, but it wasn't all that surprising. When, you know, he, he had a planned visit to Poland. Uh, Kamala Harris, the Veep, was just over in Munich. Um accusing russia of crimes against humanity and uh and i read an article that 
Biden's going to Poland. He would like to make a trip to Kiev, but, um, you know, security concerns and whatever. Well, um, yeah, so I guess it wasn't that much of a of a surprise since they mentioned it in in the article. But he went ahead and took the train ride all the way to Kiev and there was just headlines everywhere. They they just updated the the Drudge Report headlines. Otherwise I would have went through the list of just all the headlines talking about air raid sirens blaring in the background. And um and maybe I'll uh maybe I'll pull up the video of him walking through like the town square uh or the plaza or whatever the fuck they call it over there. Um air raid and it was uh it seemed like a very dramatic moment here we'll pop it up on the screen well, you can you can watch for yourself um on spotify you can watch it it'll also be on youtube and rumble um so but if you're an audio listener i recommend listening on spotify because there is uh all right I don't know if you can't hear it. Hmm. Okay, there we are. But it just so happened, like right as as he's walking out to greet the public, you have air raids. Right there. It's like he was directing it. And I was uh I was watching a clip of, of Tucker Carlson uh the other night and you gotta he just like any other um I I guess uh cable news show corporate media, you gotta take anything they say with a huge grain of salt. But I will say Tucker Carlson's quite a bit better than the than most of them and he had a source uh in ukraine that said they haven't had uh air raid sirens in over a week or at least in the last week in kiev let alone any explosions like you notice there wasn't any bombs or anything it was just air raid siren and yeah, it really makes you wonder just like i i don't know how how staged that all was but it it seems like it was it's just theater it's all political theater but at the same time there's a very real you know real life consequences like um all right so anyway going back ukraine becomes its own um becomes its own independent nation kind of but there's a lot of dispute over it because Ukraine had nuclear weapons. And so the deal was made and Ukraine ceded all of its nukes back to, uh, to Russia uh, under the supervision of the United, uh, United Nations, I believe. Um, and then there was a, an agreement in, uh, in the, in the notes of the meeting and agreement in uh you know, kind of a handshake agreement, but it was never really officially put into writing that NATO would remain where it was. It would not move further to the east 
and um and that was part of the deal to to allow germany to to reunify as one country because remember uh after world war ii the russians got to berlin first and then germany was divided into four quadrants you had the brits the french the, uh the united states and the ussr the soviets and then berlin which is pretty deep into east germany uh was divided into two sectors the u.s sector and the <laughs> and and the soviet sector leading to the you know the building of the berlin wall all that well anyway Part of the deal when the, when the Soviet Union fell was uh, was try to get Germany reunified as one country, and um, it's not that the Soviets were opposed to it, but they want they didn't want to they didn't want to just give up all of you know they they wanted to they wanted to come out of there at least kind of saving face, and so part of that deal was um... hey. Look, I know you're you're enjoying this show that we're you know that we're balls deep in here, but I got to pay some bills around here, and this company Bubs Naturals they are helping me do so, and they also sell a lot of good stuff. So you go to bubsnaturals.com. It's named after Glenn Bub Doherty, uh, who was a he was a special operator, CIA guy, uh, was one of the one of the guys that was killed in, during the Benghazi raid, uh, his best friend started up this company kind of in honor of him. They're both uh, <clears throat> very active guys, and they wanted just good, clean supplements, and that's what these are. Uh, I take the, the collagen in my coffee along with MCT oil. It's a powder, uh, kind of very, very slightly sweet, um, like very faint sweet taste to it but also got a kind of a creamy texture it's good stuff they also have coffee now i haven't tried it yet uh, might have to and um looks like maybe they got some uh some like gatorade type mix but uh, it's all it's all good clean stuff uh, apple cider vinegar gummies which are awesome apple cider vinegar is great for you uh collagen supposed to uh, what what do they say on this let's let's take a look um, it fuels the body while replenishing with replenishing amino acids that turn back the clock on an aging. Um, and it's, uh, it's supposed to be good for your skin and your joints and, uh, your hair, your nails, all, all the good stuff. Um, it's, yeah, just a scoop in your coffee. It's flavorless. Don't taste it at all. And, uh, and it just, uh, I it's good for inflammation and all sorts of good stuff. Um, all in all, these guys pay me pretty well when you guys buy stuff. So please do, and I, I highly recommend their products. Uh, I, Like I said, I, I take them every day. Got this stuff on order. Um, got this stuff on order. And uh, and the gummies I've got coming every, every couple of weeks. Uh, help me kind of stay halfway young. I know my hair doesn't look it, but I'm, I'm not that old yet. So uh, And I want to be able to to wrestle around with my kids and beat them for a long time yet. So, um, like I want to dominate them so they know that I'm, I'm the alpha. And, uh, so I'm doing all, all I can to, <clears throat> to kind of help <clears throat> stay one step ahead of those little fuckers. And Bub's Naturals, uh, does it for me. <clears throat> helps, helps get me there. So 
Anyways, go to bubsnaturals.com. Use the promo code BURNINDAYLIGHT. That's all one word. Uh, you'll get 20% off uh, your order, and I will get a commission on that. So uh, thanks to Bubs Naturals. Go check out their stuff. I think you'll like it, and uh, I know I do. So uh, bubsnaturals.com, promo code BURNINDAYLIGHT for 20%. Now we can go ahead, get back in to the show. For, for Germany to, to reunify was uh, part of that deal was that NATO, which was the strategic defensive alliance, allegedly, um, to, to defend against the, the, the Soviet Union, um, their member states would not expand further to the east towards Russia. And um, that, that is never, like, I don't know if that was uh, ever intentional or they ever intended to to follow through with that the western countries led by us because we're the we were the the main superpower in the world whether they ever intended to follow through with that or not um i guess it's kind of irrelevant because um ever since then 1990 you know one i think is when that that all took place uh We've continually added member uh, countries into uh, to NATO, so Estonia, Latvia, Poland, um, all all joined uh, all joined NATO. Montenegro, um, North Macedonia. I can't remember if it was Bosnia or Serbia, um, but one of those is is allied with Russia. One of them joined NATO, and well, we just kept moving, pushing further and further to the east. Uh, we tried to do the same thing with Georgia. Um, Putin put his foot down and said nope, and uh, ended up waging a war over there when we tried to overthrow uh, the leader of, of Georgia. And uh, and eventually, you but like Georgia was kind of a red line for him, but Ukraine was the main red line, he, and they've been saying it ever since uh, Ukraine had been, um, you know, its own independent nation again, is that uh, Ukraine can't be, can never become a part of NATO because that's right on the border of Russia. And it's also a part of the world that they still consider part of Russia, no matter whether or not the Ukrainians do or not. That's how, that's how like the old school Russians feel. <clears throat> not saying that it's, it's right or wrong. I'm just saying that's how it is. And 2014 rolls around. There's this guy named uh, Viktor Yanukovych, who who was the president or prime minister. I'm not sure exactly how they're. I think it's president. Yeah, president because they call Zelensky president. Anyway, so he's he's the president of of Ukraine, and he's getting ready to strike a deal with to join the EU. He still has strong ties with Russia. Um, but he's not friendly enough to NATO. He's wanting to join the EU, but uh, NATO really wants Ukraine. <laughs> and by NATO, I mean the United States. And by the United States, I mean the the neocons, the neoliberals, all all like the establishment of of the two major parties. So Chuck Schumer, Nancy Pelosi, uh, Joe Biden, as well as Lindsey Graham, Mitch McConnell. Dan Crenshaw, um, the the Bush family, 
the Clintons, all all of these people are in agreement. We want Ukraine and Russia bad, and I'm not saying Russia's good. Um, they're 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 not. They're pretty objectively bad. They're I'd way rather live here than Russia. Uh, you know, climate aside, just just how we do things over here is a lot better. However, it's it's when you when you look at all the underlying facts and all the events that led up to where we're at now, it's it's kind of hard to say that Russia's the bad guy and we're the good guy. Um, it, it seems like we both have been fucking around and uh yeah i say like so so the main the main thing is like this was not unprovoked so we we end up ousting this uh we we pump a bunch of money in and uh and and fund a bunch of these activist groups and lead a coup which overthrows uh, Viktor Yanukovych leads to the the rise of uh, Vladimir Zelensky who's now the current president who's uh um, I would not be surprised if he's in the pocket of the CIA and they were the ones, the one that, uh, the ones that kind of groomed him to take the position he's at now. <clears throat> um, is that true? I would tend to believe so, but I don't. That's all speculation on my part. So, anyway, once once this new government gets installed in in Kiev they immediately start taking actions to antagonize the Russians uh, so before that there were two national languages of Ukraine Ukrainian and Russian because there's a large contingent of ethnic Russians particularly in the south and the east so Crimea um, and then the Donbass region was like Luhansk and Donetsk and then forget the other two southerns like uh Kherson and um the one with the Zaporozhia or some you know something with a z um good luck with ukrainian names pronouncing them that's a lot of lot of consonants and so anyway in that that region where where all all almost all the heavy fighting has taken place is uh, a large percentage of ethnic russians live there a lot of them who still kind of consider themselves russians and uh kind of like living in a no man's land so in 2014 when this uh this coup took place um the russians took action they uh <laughs> they sent like their their special forces into eastern uh, eastern ukraine to to provide support to the separatist type people, the rebels uh, in those regions. And then they went ahead and just annexed Crimea, which is the peninsula. It's like the, it's like Ukraine's dick. Just, uh, you know, there you go, Dan, Dan, given Paulo. There you go. Dick joke of the week. Uh, Crimea is the dick of Ukraine. Um, you know, just like leading in to, I guess, what would be the, the vagina of, of Russia, the vagine. Um, Anyway, Crimea up until the 50s was always considered Russia for like 400 years. And uh, Nikita Khrushchev, who was the the leader of the Soviet Union uh, right after Stalin, he uh, 
he liked his vodka as uh, do most Russians and Ukrainians. Seems like. Um, one of the one of the things he had to do to uh, strike some sort of deal, whether it was to maintain power or what, whatever the fuck it was, he struck a deal and and it gave Crimea to the Ukraine, which uh, you know even though Ukraine was it was called the Ukraine as part of the Soviet Union, but it was uh, it was one of the satellite states. Um, so anyway, in the fifties, he gives, uh, he gives Crimea to the Ukraine and it'd been part of Ukraine since then, but it was, it was always kind of a, a thorn in, in Russian pride, you know, it was like, <clears throat> you know, during World War II, one of the, one of the biggest battles in, on the Eastern front, which we don't talk about a whole lot here because, um we became the world power so we we talked about everything that we did in the war which we did a lot but um we lost somewhere not not quite a half a million uh soldiers in world war ii but the, the soviets lost somewhere between like eight and 12 million um just soldiers let alone the the civilians but like eight and 12 million like a fuck load of soldiers uh, that they lost. Anyway, and one of the 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 like fiercest battle was uh, Sevastopol, which is in Crimea, the Crimean Peninsula. And so it's uh, the fact that Crimea was not um, a fish, you know, formerly part of uh, Mother Russia, was uh, always kind of been in the thorn of the side of the Russians after <clears throat> after the Soviet Union fell. 2014 goes in and um, and Russia annexes it. They took a a a, a referendum vote. Uh, it's disputed by most of the Western powers whether it's legitimate or not. But if you listen to it, excuse me, um, there's a podcast I listen to. It's uh it's it's called Anti-War News. Um, Dave DeCamp is the guy that hosts it and he does a good job. Um, anyway, it's, it's a very, very useful, uh, site in general, antiwar.com and then antiwar news is a, is a really good podcast. But, uh, Dave DeCamp was explaining how, even though the Western powers of so United States, Britain, um, all of NATO essentially, uh, kind of disputes the, how valid that election was for for Crimea to join Russia. Um, when you look at the polling numbers afterwards, most of Crimea, like a a pretty strong majority, like I don't I wouldn't say unanimous, but like upwards of, of probably seventy percent of Crimea is fine with being part of Russia. That like that's that's how they identify. And the same way with these these two eastern provinces in uh in ukraine do uh the donbass region who also held their own votes to become part of russia but putin declined their offer um supposedly and what appears to just not wanting to escalate things any further they're just like all right you you guys you guys went and did it you, you overthrew our guy um you're meddling in places you don't belong. Um, 
we're going to go ahead and take Crimea. And so not only is it like, a, you know, considered Russia by the Russians, but it's also um, they've got a, a lifetime lease on the only water um, port within within Russia's you know sphere of influence. So uh, they're just like, no, we're 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 taking this. It's ours, and we're keeping it. Like we we kind of let you guys play your game, but we're keeping it now. Well, then this new government in in Ukraine in Kiev. Um, you know, now it causes a, a pretty big civil war, which we didn't we didn't hear a whole lot about here in the West because, um, well, mostly <clears throat> the the powers that be kind of wanted it. Uh, they they kind of wanted it kept under wraps. Uh, the 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 entire goal was eventually to have Ukraine join NATO, uh, which is a a big. Anytime there's a another country that joins NATO, part of that the agreement is you have to spend 2% of your your gross domestic product every year on defense spending and it's all got to be nato compliant and who makes the most of the nato weapons well we do right here in the united states uh along with germany uh france uk uh to a lesser extent and then uh and italy as well um produces some but the bulk of it is made right here in the united states so your defense contractors, Raytheon, Lockheed Martin, Boeing, General Dynamics, Northrop Grumman, um, they they have a huge incentive to keep adding countries into NATO because that just means more weapons that they get to produce and sell. And uh, it's, you know, it's the whole self-licking ice cream cone. Well, anyways, you got this the civil war going on in Ukraine and, and part of it was the, the new government is uh, trying to suppress this rebellion in, in the Donbass region, which are being, uh, I, I would say it's pretty, I would say it's pretty safe to say they were being propped up by, by Russian special forces, the Wagner group, which is their, like their version of Blackwater, uh, you know, military contractors, mercenaries if you don't want to use the the legalese there that's essentially what they they are um and ever since then uh, 2014 2018 maybe 20 something happened in 2014 but i think the i think the annexation of crimea was was in 2018 and that's that's kind of when the the heavy fighting started in the donbass region and so from all the way up and from then up until when Russia invaded, there had been heavy fighting in that Donbass region. Um, almost daily, there was artillery uh, shellings from from the Ukrainian government on these these rebel groups. And it was. Uh, it was then we started uh, and. Remember, we've talked about it a lot. Um, Donald Trump, the first time he got impeached was over a phone call to Vladimir Zelensky uh, wanting to investigate Joe Biden uh, on corruption before they got their weapons package. And so he he did some slick talking and uh, essentially threatened to withhold um, 
these arms sales to Ukraine until this prosecutor that they wanted investigated was fired. Um, didn't happen. They got the weapons anyways, so it was kind of a for for the art of the deal guy. He he didn't really make a very good deal, and then he ends up getting impeached over it. Didn't get removed, obviously, but uh, still got impeached over essentially nothing. But the underlying reason was Ukraine and this this whole trying to to get Ukraine into NATO. And if you remember, Trump was uh, he was under the impression like we shouldn't be in NATO because it's uh, it's not worth our money. All these other countries are not doing their part, and we're we're carrying the load for them, and we're not getting really anything for it, which is pretty accurate, I would say. <clears throat> Anyway, you have the whole, and and in the meantime, you have the whole Russia Gate thing with Don, you know, three three fucking years they're they're trying to, you know, the Mueller report and everything. They're just trying to prove that that Donald Trump was somehow a, you know, just like a puppet dictator of uh, Vladimir Putin, which is absurd, but that's what they they would have you believe, and so. Donald Trump loses the election. Sorry, all you, you Trump people. He he lost the election. Um, was there some shady shit? Was there some voter fraud? Probably so. But you've had uh, pretty ample time to try to prove it, and um, it doesn't doesn't seem like there's much there. There, you just you you got outworked uh, in certain ways, and just enough to to go ahead and make you lose and. If, uh, if if I'm presented with some solid evidence that uh, the the election was actually, yeah, I mean like and by I mean by votes and not by like social media manipulation, media manipulation, all that that played a part, yes. Um, but as far as the actual like stealing of votes, I don't know. We'll 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 see. But I I haven't seen anything that 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 really says to say anything like that happened yet so anyway donald trump loses joe biden's in and um there, there's this whole nord stream pipeline deal which trump opposed um the u.s is opposed um but germany did not because it, it suited them very well they they got to buy cheap russian natural gas and then they also got to resell uh, their excess at a profit. It was a good deal for, for Russia. It was a good deal for Germany. It was, I, I guess what they're saying, it was a bad deal for the United States um, because then Europe is not as dependent on us as uh, as they would be without it. Which I, I suppose is true, but anyhow, it's... Um, It's a lot of meddling in, in places we don't need to meddle. Um, anyway, the shit keeps ramping up in Ukraine. We get we get cozier and cozier with the with the government in Ukraine, and we start sending them uh, longer range uh, weapons. And uh, Russia had enough; they go ahead and invade. And now, here we are a year later, and depending on whose reports you listen to and who the fuck knows which ones are right. 
but just call it 150,000 uh, soldiers on each side have died. So grand total of about 300,000 already in the first year. Um, very bloody war. Um, the way it, it has kind of settled out over the, or shaken out over the winter is it's turned into like a World War One style uh, trench warfare situation where it's just a lot of artillery shelling and not much changing of territory. And now Russia is mobilizing again. They, they've they already done one draft and one phase of mobilization, but now they're, they're, they're mobilizing another, um, another time, and they're getting ready to send like another half a million troops into Ukraine. And we have continually just, upped and up what we're sending them more and more money uh more bigger um more advanced weapons uh now now we're getting ready to send them tanks and uh and now we have congressmen and senators on both sides of the aisle pushing to send fighter jets over <clears throat> and um and then you have Zelensky come give an address to to Congress, gets standing ovation. Everyone's wearing a fucking Ukraine flag, and uh, and now we have Kamala Harris over in Munich uh, accusing Putin of war crimes and crimes against humanity. And now we have the President of the United States walking through with supposed air raid sirens going on. Well, not supposed; they were going off, but uh, was there an actual air? You know. Actual air raid incoming? Probably not. Um, but anyway, just uh, essentially saying like, hey, we got you all the way until the last one of you fuckers die. We are going to support you. And um, well, in response, um, Vladimir Putin has uh, suspended their participation in the new START treaty, which is uh, the last nuclear weapons treaty that uh that we were in with with russia so there's there's several other countries across the world that have nuclear weapons but the two biggest ones are us and russia russia has more than anybody else uh they've got i don't know something like a thousand thousand more nuclear warheads than we do and and now they just pulled out of that treaty and uh our leadership our people in charge are not worried so much about the nuclear weapons because they said we've escalated it this far and they haven't nuked anything yet. So I think we're good, which doesn't seem like a solid, solid logical place to stand on. But anyhow, now. China and Russia are getting closer and closer together. Um, all the all their ties are are uh, like their economic ties are getting deeper, and all these sanctions that we put on Russia have seemed to not really have worked. Like there's a few things that are making it makes it annoying for Russia, but in the meantime, we have pretty much depleted uh, our our ammunition stockpile sending to Ukraine. Russia has done the same thing as well, but they are on a more mobilization footing. 
and have been for quite some time. So they're kind of able to keep pace with the, the artillery shells and, and the, the rockets and the, you know, the cruise missiles that they're sending over. Um, you know, they're, they're able to, I guess, essentially, re, you know, make new ones as fast as they're, they're, they're shooting them off, but they're, they're running out of drones. And, uh, my guy ran is, uh, they're by a, bought a bunch of drones from Iran. And now Iran is sending their people over to, um, help them set up a, a factory to, to manufacture these drones. And, in the meantime, we're running out of ammo here. All of the NATO countries are running out of ammo. And when you look at the other NATO countries, they don't, there was not a single one of them that had fulfilled their obligation to spend 2% of GDP on, on defense spending. Not a single one of them. So it's just been the United States carrying the load for decades at this point. And, and now we're like, we're running out of ammo. And uh, we we promised tanks to send over there, but they're not made yet, and uh, and the Ukrainians are not fully trained on them. So you're looking at like a couple of years, if they last that long, before our our tanks get over there. In the meantime, Germany and Poland and a bunch of the European nations sent sent their tanks over, some of them anyways. But uh, you know, there's a bunch of them that like, yeah, we're behind you, Ukraine, and they're like, oh. Eh we don't have that many tanks ourselves and we kind of, we kind of need them. So, mm, how about these old ones? Maybe. Uh, anyway, so Ukraine's in a pretty tough spot right now. Like they're without a bunch of advanced weaponry and, and uh, a lot of money, like they're, they're going to have to come to the negotiating table, which they had done before and had kind of, kind of hardy already like locked in a deal it wasn't locked in locked in but it had been agreed upon by both sides uh to and i forget what the the exact you know terms of the deal but uh, essentially i think it was um ukraine doesn't join nato the donbass region becomes auto autonomous states i don't even think uh russia was going to keep them but they they wanted to keep them I guess, you know, kind of, they ruled themselves, essentially. And the UK Prime Minister at the time, Boris Johnson, you know, like English Trump, um, he comes in and essentially says, don't, don't agree to this. And that was in May of last year. So almost, uh, was that eight months ago, nine months ago, something like that. Nine months longer, this thing has gone on because we don't we didn't want them to strike a deal then we blew up the nord stream pipeline allegedly somebody blew up the nord stream pipeline and i find it real hard to believe that it was russia because uh russia controls has the flow of gas which nord stream sends it into germany and all russia has to do is shut it off on their end they don't have to they don't have to do anything they could just turn it on Turn it off, turn it on, turn it off. And it's a good, it's a very big bargaining chip. It was. And then it got blown up. And Russia got blamed for it by the Western media. Despite all the evidence or lack of evidence and um, just 
common sense thinking about who would benefit from that and the the two parties that don't definitely don't benefit would be Germany and Russia um but Russia in particular cuz they they essentially built the damn thing um and they paid for most of it and then they they owned a 51% stake in it with uh the rest of it being owned by Germany and France and the Netherlands, I believe. <laughs> All of them are NATO allies. You know, who we're, we're supposed to defend if they ever get attacked. And this being considered a very direct act of war because it's an attack on, on vital infrastructure being the, you know, natural gas. Uh, oh. You guys have heard, but it gets pretty cold in that part of Europe. Uh, Germany gets pretty cold. And uh, yeah, so gone is their access to cheap Russian natural gas. And the war just keeps going on in Ukraine. Ukraine keeps losing territory. They're, um, they're on their like fourth or fifth round of uh mobilization at this point like they're they're drafting you know 14 15 year old kids and like 40 45 year old men and essentially any any man who can pick up a rifle and and shoot it down range is is getting drafted into the ukrainian military and the longer this goes on, the more and more people die. And the closer we get to being in directly in combat with, with Russian troops. We already have troops over in Ukraine, um, you know, supposedly, you know, oversight on all this military spending. But um, if you listen, if you, you read antiwar.com, you'll also hear stories about how they're directing uh, intelligence and uh, like identifying uh, targets for them to, to strike. And <clears throat> it looks a lot like, you know, the, the military advisors that were sent over to South Vietnam before that became just a full-fledged, you know, war. Um, classic what they call mission creep where you have one mission and then just the longer you're there you find something else to do to justify you being there and then next thing you know you're in all-out war and we are and it's already an all-out war between between russia and ukraine but if you look at the the financial side of it we have paid for essentially all of it i mean you know the the EU and NATO countries have have pitched in quite a bit as well, but just the sheer amount of money that we've spent in in a year over there is uh, it's coming up on like twenty percent of our total military budget is you know the equivalent of our you know twenty percent of our our military budget, which is about eight hundred billion a year, and uh, we're closer to the two hundred billion mark uh, at this point than than we are to the the hundred billion i think like it's it's a lot of fucking money we've sent spent over there and the ukrainians <clears throat> while they've held out pretty good they are losing ground and there are more russians uh you know 
gathering there to to make an offensive um every single day and it all yeah it all goes back to like who benefits and how do we benefit you go back to the the hunter biden deal and it's not just hunter biden there's a lot of people involved in ukraine but how does a crackhead get the you know a job on the board of a Ukrainian natural gas company when he is not an expert in Eastern European you know politics, expert in Ukrainian politics, and definitely not an expert in the oil and gas industry. But yet he's he's on the board and he's making something like eighty thousand a month. Eighty thousand a month. So there, there's one, you know, once one party that that benefits, and hmm, when when you look also on the economic side of things, uh, the the company BlackRock, uh, um, you may have heard of them if you follow huh. follow the news. I mean, you, you kind of got to follow the news pretty close to to know who BlackRock is, but you probably heard of them and they're they're a huge hedge fund. Uh and they're currently like the world's largest uh real estate holder. They're a huge huge conglomerate and they are investing heavily in uh the reconstruction of Ukraine which they estimate to be in overall somewhere around the tune of seven to eight hundred billion dollars to to rebuild ukraine and they're going to be right at the forefront of it financing it and uh so there's a lot a lot of big money deals uh involved in this ukraine thing besides the biden family but don't don't forget the romneys and the carries like john Kerry. you remember that that goofy motherfucker <clears throat> All of their kids um, or family members have some sort of ties to that as well. So there's a lot of be a lot of money to be made in Ukraine, and uh, a lot of money to be lost if uh, if the war would were to end today because Russia kind of has the upper hand and they've got uh, territory that they've seized. So I think that tells you a lot about what you need to know. It could be that these guys really just uh, think that that if we we allow this, uh, you know, Russia to annex territory, it's going to be World War II all over again, where Russia just rolls across Europe and and keeps gobbling up territory. Which I suppose is there's a chance that could happen. It's a it's a non-zero chance for sure. But if you look at how Russia has fared in Ukraine. Although they are taking territory, they they still control Ukraine, <laughs> Ukrainian ter- territory. They've also lost around one hundred fifty thousand troops in the first year. Not a great showing. They've kind of just bumblefucked their way through this deal, but through just sheer uh, firepower and manpower, they've been able to to secure a pretty good foothold and the big part uh a big part of the area that they've uh they've seized is 
rich in natural gas and also a very good farm country. So it's, um, it's desirable territory. Otherwise, uh, you know, it's, it's not just about Ukrainian sovereignty. It's a, it's a lot about resources there too. And also they're trying to, um, trying to create a land bridge from mainland Russia over to Crimea. Cause there's, it's separated by water there. They are connected by a bridge. Um, but they would like to be able to just, uh, have, you know, actual highways going into Ukraine to, to supply that and also have a, have a supply of clean water. So there's a very apparent reason why, why Russia wants it. Not quite so apparent why we want it other than the money reason. Um, there's a lot of, a lot of philosophical talk and about, you know, democracy and whatnot, which if you scratch below the surface very far and that, that, that argument doesn't very, very well hold water because during this, this whole period of turmoil and now war, the Ukrainian government has systematically uh, oppressed the, the ethnic Russian people. They have um, banned opposition parties. They've banned a, a whole branch of of the of of you know christianity the russian uh russian orthodox religion they've uh, arrested priests and and nuns and they've also uh recently passed some laws that heavily cracked down on media and not just media within ukraine but also like who can who can come in in and out of ukraine as a as a journalist and a and a war correspondent and and you know just like on the ground reporter like though that that has also been severely restricted which is um doesn't speak very well for ukrainian democracy uh if uh you know in in the way that i i've always learned about democracy where we we value free speech and and freedom of religion and hmm, and you know we're anti-authoritarian but it seems like uh banning your main political opposition party um kind of seems a little bit anti-democratic so all in all if when i look at it closely the main reason i see that we're over there is because of money and and, and geo geopolitical power um keeping Europe dependent upon us and uh and and less dependent on Russia. And uh, I can see the argument for it, but at the same time I don't give two fucks about Ukraine, especially when we've got a shitload of problems here that we really need to address. I'm I'm sure you guys have all heard about the this uh ecological disaster that's going on in east palestine ohio um there's been a slew of uh, train derailments here in the last couple of weeks um with uh, many of these trains carrying toxic chemicals um and then there's also been ever since this the east palestine deal came to light 
and started being covered, um, it seemed like every every train derailment, which apparently there's a lot. Um, yeah. Um, quite quite a few, it seems like. Like something about, like, I can't remember if it was 700 a year or, or 1,500 a year, but more than one a day uh, on average, it seems like. Um, they don't get covered much because uh, they're not always uh, leaking, was it like vinyl chloride or some shit like that? Something incredibly toxic that they're they're burning so it didn't blow up and and just spewing toxic smoke into the to the atmosphere the the epa says the air quality is fine um and uh yeah anyway disaster that kind of need to take care of here before we send more money and weapons and eventually troops more troops anyways like on a, on an official basis there to fight and not not be advisors that's coming um uh, don't worry but before we send all that shit over to ukraine yeah we might might take a look at at fixing that deal or at least uh trying at least putting a band-aid on it maybe like it seems like not even that's being done uh the southern borders a, a wreck we just got a lot of shit going on here that really needs uh, some some pretty urgent attention before we ramp up and to go go into World War Three. And I mean, here there's uh, here's a little snippet of of Biden's speech. I'm not going to play it, but you can. He's got the got the Ukrainian and the Polish flags along with the U.S. flag there. He's speaking in Poland, and this guy wants to be FDR so bad it's not even funny. And his uh, his approval ratings underwater. And if you follow politics and history very often or very much, you know that getting involved in a war is one of the, the few things that like truly unites a country or like uh, not not completely but it's one of the the more uniting factors that uh that can happen in in the course of american politics is uh is when you start a war and there has not been uh, an incumbent president defeated in the middle of wartime uh i i guess I guess you could say Trump is the first one that that got um uh, maybe maybe eh, Carter we were just doing kind of like covert op stuff where Trump uh Trump was in office when we still had two two wars I mean they were they're both kind of winding down but I guess we're still at wartime so I I think technically you could say he was the only wartime president to not be reelected um and, and so you can also see a motive there for wanting to to, to push us into World War Three. And also it's a good way to get the economy going because if we gotta we gotta start building more and more weapons, uh that's gonna mean more jobs and uh that's gonna mean the government can spend more money and 
there is a lot of uh there's a lot of motive for for the United States to want to get involved in this thing. But they they seem to just overlook the big one. It's like not that I don't think we could we could defeat Russia militarily. I think we're very capable of that. However, they have nukes and we have nukes, and now they're they they're pulled out of the. Well, I guess they haven't completely pulled out, but they've suspended their you know their uh, involvement in this last nuclear missile treaty that that we're that we were a part of um due to this war in ukraine and it's just it's not good i i really hope that that cooler heads prevail and no no nukes are ever ever fired off but man when when you have american troops uh directly firing on on russian troops which seems like is going to be pretty pretty much inevitable at this point that's that's a whole different ball game and particularly if they they start marching towards crimea and trying to retake that i mean it's going to be a fucking bloodbath and it's it's already been i mean it's it's not like world war 1 numbers yet um but it's only been a year and it's only it's only been Ukraine and Russia doing the the direct fighting. So man, if you uh you start throwing these other countries in, it's uh it's gonna be a meat grinder and it's gonna be a fucking bloodbath and it's not gonna be good for for anyone, particularly the Ukrainians. They're gonna be the they're I mean, they're the epicenter of it all and if we care that much about Ukrainians, we we ought to be trying to bring this thing to an end, some sort of peaceful resolution as soon as possible. Um, but we're not. We're not. And, um, uh, you know, the, the Republicans took back the House in this last midterm, but <laughs> there was a big fight for committee members and committee assignments and and uh you know concessions that that were that were won by the the you know the maga trump wing of the republican party but it's hard to see it as much of a much of a win <laughs> excuse me um let me find this okay so this is from antiwar.com. Uh is a Dave DeCamp article. Um Representative Michael McCall, he's a Republican from Texas, and he is now the new head of the House Foreign Affairs Committee. Um visited Ukraine on Tuesday, and he said he sensed a shift in Washington that could lead to arming Kiev with F-16 fighter jets and longer range missiles. According to Reuters, McCall said the Biden administration is still split on how fast and what weapons to send to Ukraine. But I'm seeing increasing momentum towards getting the artillery and the planes in, he told reporters in Kiev. And in any event, we can start training the pilots now so they're ready. Um, so this is a Republican congressman, uh, head of the House Foreign Affairs Committee. Um 
the the number one you know i guess the the head of the you know the elected republicans right now since trump's uh, a private citizen now but mitch mcconnell is i guess you'd say he's the most powerful republican in washington right now and he was asked um about the the lagging support for for the ukraine war and he wanted to reassure americans that there this was the greatest priority that we have right now is supporting ukraine and if he had a a critique to give on president joe biden um which you think there he would have a bunch being how how divided uh you know national politics are but his one critique on biden during this whole ukraine deal is he didn't send enough and he didn't do it fast enough so here you are you now have republicans clawing back somewhat uh some of their power and they are <clears throat> well i won't say they're lockstep with the democrats they still got to be partisan about it. So they're just like more. You guys aren't, you guys are not sending enough. Never mind the fact that the vast majority of the Republican voters are opposed to sending weapons to Ukraine. Your elected officials, um, outside of a handful, and they are just a handful that are opposed, but outside of that, yeah, they are all in. Send them more weapons. And uh, if you look at, uh, let's see, let's go to unusual whales here uh, and see what Michael McCall. Um, unusual whales is the the site that kind of tracks where. And elected officials funding comes from and and uh who what they're invested in michael what the hell oh now they're hmm Unusual Wales is charging me. What was the other one? Um, Open Secrets, that's the other one. That's why I need a producer here. Um, it's opensecrets.com, yeah. All right, anyhow, we'll uh I'll keep working on that while we're we're going through this. But anyway, most of your opensecrets.org, that's the one. Here we go. Michael McCall. Uh pop this up here. Uh, so this is him. Top industry is real estate. Uh, I bet you BlackRock's in there. Um, 
top contributor, Democracy Engine. I don't know that one. Um, Bergen Pain Management, Big Pharma, Heritage Title Company of Austin. I would bet you they're a subsidiary of BlackRock or some something in that that vein. Um, Gump Aiken, Microsoft. Um, top industry is real estate, securities, investment. That'd be banking, BlackRock. Um, retired oil and gas, a lot of oil and gas in Ukraine, and electronics manufacturing and equipment. Um, if you'll notice the weapons that every time we announce like a new weapons package, it's that it gets more and more advanced. Um, electronics and manufacturing, um, yeah, um, pretty. Pretty not surprising. And you got you got McConnell all on board and he's wanting to push harder. You got McCall pushing for F-16s. Um which is not good because you, you get a bunch of Ukrainian dudes flying around F-16s, and if we're not like directly uh commanding them, um who's to say they're not gonna start flying sorties over on onto Russia mainland and and just escalating this shit even further. So I think I've thought about this for a while and uh, you know I've always said I'm never I'm never gonna run for office, but I, I'm start I'm starting to consider it now. Like if you look at all this, I don't wanna be I don't want to be one of these guys that uh you know that's gonna tell you a bunch of bunch of promises and blow a bunch of smoke up your ass and then then go ahead and be this guy and 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 take the money on you know on the side I, i'm gonna be right out in the open with i'm gonna become a swamp creature but i'm gonna be honest about it like these guys are shady corrupt i'm gonna be honest corrupt i'm gonna tell you like hey power corrupts and when you send me to washington dc I'm going to I'm going to turn some heads and I'm going to ruffle some feathers and I'm going to get some really good talking points uh so I can get reelected but when it comes down to it I'm probably going to take the money and I'm going to get fucking rich okay and uh I will be open to the to the highest bidder but there is a promise I will make I will try to get us out of Ukraine I don't I'm not going to try to get us to stop spending on the military because I think that's almost impossible at this point. But I'm going to try to redirect the war effort. Bring all the troops back from uh Poland and uh Romania. You know, we got 101st Airborne both in Poland and Romania. Um running war games over there and drills and and training bring them back over here and we're invading Canada. So Western Canada, you can rejoice. You're getting your guns back as long as you join us. And um, according to Tuffy and a bunch of other Canadians that I know, we don't want Auto or uh, Quebec anyways. Like uh, they want to be their own thing. So we'll just let them have it. Quebec, 
do your thing. You're your own country now. Um, Mexico, that president's got to go. We're going to take on the cartels, probably install the cartels, because that's kind of how we do things. We find the, the nastiest motherfuckers that are not fans of the government, and we send them weapons, and uh, it's hard to think of a nastier bunch of individuals than those cartels down there. And uh, I can say this as a half-Mexican. I'm going to play this card. Uh, those are some those are some dirty fucking people down there. Um, not because they're Mexican, but they are fucking ruthless. So, we got to get them under control and possibly install them in government. And then we're just going to keep rolling south. You know, like, we can take over Haiti, no problem. We'll just, uh, I don't think that'll take much. Dominican, yeah, we'll take you guys too. You got good beaches. Um, you know, all the all the South American or Central American countries, we're coming after you two. You're, what are you guys going to do to stop us? And fucking Argentina, watch out. Eventually, we're getting down to you two, and we'll just take over North and South America. It'll be uh, be one conglomerate, and we'll have all the resources that we need. We'll have all the all the labor that we need, and uh, we can say fuck the rest of the world. And I can continue to get rich because guess what? We're gonna sell weapons to all these countries that we just uh, that we just conquered, because um, they need to defend themselves from the Russians or whatever. So we're gonna sell them a bunch of NATO compliant weapons, but we won't be in NATO. If I have a thing, we'll we'll uh, we'll just rename it like NAFTA or something. You know, something real catchy. You know, North American. South America and it'll be Nasafta. And uh it'll be a free trade agreement. And the free trade meaning you can buy our weapons from us freely at a at a sharply uh sharply marked up price. And in the meantime, we get all of your resources too. But hey, you get good jobs and you get to lift the standard uh, of living in your in your country and uh, you get to call yourself americans for once so i think it's a win-win-win <clears throat> plus i get really rich because we're not going to stop trading stocks on on the floors of congress we're going to do that right out in the open or at least i am because good old-fashioned honest corruption is what i'm looking for none of this shady shit let's get it all out in the open <clears throat> And, uh, hey, if you're only going to pay me a hundred and, you know, was 135,000 a year, 150,000 a year, or is it maybe it's a 175? Either way, I'm looking for one of those leadership positions, though, so I can get upwards of that $200,000 range. And that's just going to be my, my running money because, like I said, I'm going to be fucking rich. I'm going to use all the insider trading I can and, I'm going to do it for you because that's the real American way. I'm going to get rich for you off the backs of you for you. And, you know, sounds kind of sleazy, but Hey, I'm being right out in the front, right out in the open with it. Yeah, sure. It's going to be hard to get elected. Maybe, maybe, but if I kiss the, the right amount of ass, I'm going to be rich. Does it matter that I got a DUI and uh, and I do some crazy shit very, you know, 
regularly? No, not at all. Um, and I can say with a straight face, honest to God, I never fucked any kids either. So I've got that up on a lot of these politicians. So I think I'm a shoe in and plus you can't lose because I'm going to be rich and I'm going to make you feel good about it. Okay. And this is how we avoid, avoid world war three. Uh, well, I don't think you, I don't think we're avoiding war at this point, but like I said, Ukraine, mm, I feel sorry for them. But we we got the ball moving with Europe now, and they're uh, they're starting to they're starting to make a bunch of weapons and shit. And good, you can use that over there. We're gonna bring all our shit home, and we're we're taking out Canada, we're taking out Mexico, and we're rolling all the way down to Argentina. And uh, hey, you know it might be a good for all these uh all these one like these these old cold warriors and whatnot it's a good chance for you guys to kill some real life nazis or i mean like descendants of real life nazis um cuz right now the way it's shaping up over in ukraine i mean there's a handful of of nazis over there but they're on our side and and then germany's on our side that's where all the you know the mo the bulk of the descendants of nazis live and they're on our side so if we invade argentina we can go after like the the escaped nazi relatives and then there you go it's a win 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 except for the people that we conquer but even then they get our our factories and shit, and they get the American way of life. You get to be fat fucks like us, all right? You just don't get to push around the rest of the world like we do because we're not giving you that. We're not giving you that cool of shit. Just enough to where you know you can defend yourself from Russia or whatever, maybe China, but like not enough to to like put up a serious resistance against us. But you won't want to anyways, because you're going to have McDonald's and like the 9,000 different flavors of Oreos, and you're going to be too fat to want to fight anyway, so it's going to be good, okay? Argentina, we're coming for you. Russia, you guys are still, I don't know, figure your shit out, and Ukraine, sorry about your bad luck, but... We got two other con continents to conquer, and uh, yeah, we'll we'll leave you guys to your own own devices. But um, if you guys remember back to that episode I did a while back on uh, on how to survive World War Three, I, I think it's sounding sounding like pretty good advice nowadays. Uh, buy Raytheon stock. Buy Lockheed Martin, Martin stock, buy General Dynamics, uh, probably buy Boeing, especially if we start sending fighter jets, because, uh, fuck, <laughs> those Ukrainian bastards, they, they're, they're going to crash a bunch of them. Uh, so, yeah. Um, any any company that, that builds fighter jets, uh, tanks, artillery, any of that shit, 
buy a stock. And if you're looking for work, go find a job at one of those plants. They're probably union plants too. So you're going to get good benefits. You're going to, you're going to get the whole collective bargaining deal. And um, if you're vital enough, you, I, I won't say probably, but there's a, a better chance that you won't get drafted. Or on that same note, you can uh, work in agriculture and you'll probably get a, a draft exemption. So, yeah, I, I think I think that's solid advice, uh, if I do say so myself. But the best advice I can give you is vote for me for Congress so I can get rich off the backs of you and you can feel good about it. And plus, we might just get to go kill some Nazis in Argentina. So, win for everybody, Matt McKinley. Good old-fashioned honest corruption for America. Now move your ass. We're burning daylight. I 
damn my foolish eyes Is that man's lessons at a price, oh sweet price My sweet soul, everlasting, a very own eternal life Don't you know that the devil wears a suit and tie I saw him driving down the 61 in early July Wide as a cotton field and sharp as a knife I heard him howling as he passed me by Wears a suit and tie I saw him driving down to 61 in early July Wide as a cotton field and sharp as a knife I heard him howling as he passed me by